Welcome to Main Menu for May 27, 2011. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week, we begin with a techie tidbit review from Tyler Uronic covering some key features of the most recent BrailleSense firmware upgrade. Next, David Woodbridge of Vision Australia demonstrates using VoiceOver Keyboard Commander to launch applications on the Mac. After that, Roger Wilson Hines continues his tour of the free screen reader Thunder by demonstrating Microsoft Word support. Then, Mary Emerson tells us more about email using Windows Live Mail and discusses why she has chosen to switch to Thunderbird as her email client of choice. Finally, Brian Harjan and Sue Martin begin a demonstration of JTools version 4 for JAWS for Windows. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. Hi, this is Tyler Uronic with another Techie Tidbit. I've recently been playing with the highly anticipated BrailleSense version 6.0 firmware. Woohoo! This is a great firmware update. Here's what it includes. A Twitter client. Woohoo! A Google Talk client. Woohoo! And the classic MSN Messenger. It also includes games! Best of all, it even includes an optional Sense Bible! Can it get more exciting? Check it out at wwwhims inkcom that's H-I-M-S-I-N-C dot com. Come visit us at techytidbits.info and check out the wonderful things that we have on our site. The site will be updated in the coming weeks. Finally, by the time you hear this, I will be out of school and heading towards my ninth grade freshman year! A great week. The following program was produced by Vision Australia. Visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. In this demonstration, I want to show you how to use a particularly useful function in VoiceOver on the Mac, which is the Keyboard Commander, which, amongst other items that you can do with it, is to launch applications by holding down a few keys rather than going to your dock or your applications folder or anywhere else and finding and running the application. You can just do it with a couple of keystrokes. I've got my MacBook turned on, VoiceOver is running, so let me go to my desktop to start off with. 
with Shift Control Option D. Desktop, Dropbox alias, selected alias. And let's get to Keyboard Commander by going through the VoiceOver Utility. And to get into VoiceOver Utility, it's Control Option Function Key 8 or F8. And of course, if your function software keys are set to hardware, you'll have to hold down your FN key as well. So let me go into that now. Control Option F8. Opening VoiceOver Utility. VoiceOver Utility. Window. VoiceOver Utility. Utility Categories. Table. One row selected. Column. One of one. General. Has keyboard focus. Now, I actually could interact with that category table. Go down to commanders which contains the keyboard commander uninteract and trundle off to the rest of the options I like to get to it directly by pressing command and 8 commanders commanders okay so we're now on it now I can just do control option right arrow trackpad selected tab one of three trackpad selected as default control option right arrow numpad tab two of three that's the numeric keypad commander if you've got a numeric keypad on a full-size keyboard, control option right arrow. Keyboard tab three of three. That's the one we want. Keyboard commander, so control option space bar to select it. Press keyboard tab three of three. Control option right arrow. Enable keyboard commander. Uncheck checkbox. Okay, let's enable it with control option space bar. Check interact with alert dialog. Keyboard commander enabled. When you use the right option key for keyboard commander, use the left option key for application keyboard shortcuts. Okay, so it tells us when you want to use the right option key for keyboard commander functions use the left option key for other keyboard commands okay, and let's press enter to come out of that dialog box because the OK button is the default closing dialog and control option right to keep going through use left option key radio button one of two so you could use the left option key if you so desire which means you would then use the right option key for other items control option right again right option key Selected radio button two of two. Okay, so right option key is selected by default. Control option right arrow. Keyboard commander table. No selection. Okay, here's the keyboard commander table. So let's interact with shift control option down arrow. Interact with keyboard commander table row one of five. Keyboard key M. Edit text. So basically you've got two columns. You've got a left column which has got the key and the right column which has got the menu action control to select or to already have what that command's already going to do. So M, which is in column one, let's go to column two, control option, right arrow. Command, open application, mail, menu button. And that's currently set to launch mail. So by doing right option M, you'll run mail straight away. So control option, we have to go back to the first column. Keyboard key, M. Control option, down arrow. S. S. Control option right to go to the second column. Command, open application, Safari menu button. Okay, that runs Safari. Control option left arrow. Keyboard key, S. Control option down to the next row. T. T. Control option right arrow. Command, run Apple script script. Time of day menu button. That runs an Apple script for time of day. Control option left arrow. Keyboard key, T. Control option down arrow to go to the next row. U. U. Control option right arrow. Command, run Apple script script. Unread message count menu button. That's unread message count with right option U. Control option left arrow. Keyboard key U. Control option down arrow. X. X. Control option right arrow. Command run Apple script script. Voice over screenshot to mail menu button. And that's it for the default settings.
So let's uninteract and let's add our own shortcut. And in this case, I'm going to assign my shortcut to text edit. So shift control option, upper arrow to uninteract. Stop interacting with keyboard commander. Control option right arrow to the add button. Add button. Control option spacebar. Edit text blank. Now we're in a edit text. Firstly, we're in column one and we need to stick our lettering that we want to use. So as I said, it was going to be text edit. So text edit. So let's do E for edit. E. E. Control option right arrow. Menu button. Control option spacebar to go into the menu button. Press menu. 14 items. And the one we want, the selection is right down the bottom, which is custom, but we'll go through each one of them. So you've got general, general submenu. And I'm just using control option down to go through these. Information, Information submenu, navigation, navigation. So we'll keep going down until we get to custom with control option down arrow. Text, submenu, web, submenu, find, submenu, tables, submenu, size and position, submenu, audio, submenu, braille, submenu, visuals, submenu, hotspots, submenu, jump, submenu, custom commands, submenu. And that's the one we want, so let's do control option spacebar. Custom commands, submenu, five items, open application, ellipsis. And we want an open application. Control option spacebar. Closing menu. Closing menu. Menu button. Interact with open dialog. And we want to get to applications and the files in the applications folder. So let's control option right arrow. Forward. Dim button. Icon mode. List mode. Column mode. Applications. Pop up button. Okay. And the pop up button in this case definitely does say that we're currently focused in our applications folder. So control option right arrow. Search text field blank. Progress indicator. Sidebar. Table. Vertical split. File. Browser. Okay, there's the file browser table. Let's interact with that with shift control option down arrow. A action potato dot app. Selected. One of 106. <laughs> so for some odd reason it's landed on action potato. I may have been using that last or my children were. So let's jump to text edit. So I'm just going to type in TEX for text edit. To text edit dot app. Selected 89 of 106. That's the one we want. So let's uninteract with Shift Control Option up arrow. Stop interacting with File Browser. Jump to the bottom of the screen with Shift Control Option End. Open Default button. And that's the Open button. So let's press Control Option Spacebar to select it. Press Open Default button. Closing dialog. When you come out of the dollar box, VoiceOver is basically sitting on the keyboard allocation table. So let's interact with shift control option dinner. Interact with keyboard commander table row six of six selected command open application text edit menu button. Okay, so that's text edit. That was the one that we we're currently doing. Let's go to the left control option left arrow keyboard key E. And there's E. So we've definitely got it set ready to go. So let me uninteract with shift control option up arrow. Stop interacting with keyboard commander table one row selected. Now you didn't particularly have to do that, but I'd like to be consistent with what I'm doing. I'm now going to close down VoiceOver Utility with Command Q. Finder, Desktop, Dropbox Alias, Selected Alias. Now let's see whether my right option key plus E will now launch Text Edit. Text Edit, Window, Untitled, Edit Text. And it does. If you want to remind yourself what your keystrokes are, yes, you can go into VoiceOver Utility, Commanders, keyboard commanders and go to the keyboard list allocation table for your keystrokes and commands. 
If you want to do it another way, you can actually go into keyboard help. So control option K. Starting keyboard help. Type keys to hear their names. Hold down the voiceover keys while typing to hear voiceover commands. Press the escape key at the top left corner of the keyboard to stop help. And you can actually do the keystroke combination right option and another key that you think the command's been assigned to. So if I do right option E now. Option E, open application, opens the following application. Applications, text edit dot app. Okay, and that was our indeed our one that we just did. If I want to do one of the default ones, I can do right option T. Option T, run Apple script script. Runs the following script. System library private frameworks screen reader dot framework slash versions slash a slash resources slash scripts slash time of day dot apple script. Okay, it's the time of day apple script one. Now I will warn you that if you do the following commands, let me just press escape. Escape, stopping keyboard help. To come out of keyboard help. To turn the keyboard commander off, which can be done sometimes by accident, it's actually shift control option K. Keyboard commander off. So that keyboard command is now off. So I can either use my right option key now with other just general commands, because if I try and do right option E, nothing will happen. It's been turned off. And then if I go into keyboard help with control option K. Starting keyboard help. Type keys to hear their names. Hold down the voiceover keys while typing to hear voiceover commands. Press the escape key at the top left corner of the keyboard to stop help. And I do right option E. Option E. It won't say anything because like QuickNav, once QuickNav is turned off, in this case once keyboard command is turned off, VoiceOver is just giving you the standard options for those keys or key combinations. So to quickly turn it back on again, you just press escape. Escape, stopping keyboard help. And shift control option K. Keyboard commander on. Turns it back on. I hope that's been of some use to folks. I use keyboard commander quite a lot on my other MacBook, which is my Mac Air mainly for such things as right option I for iTunes, A for App Store, C for iChat, and K for Skype. So it really does come in quite handy for quickly launching applications. If you've got any other questions about Apple accessibility, please contact the Adaptive Technology Help Desk at Vision Australia on 1300 847 466. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. The preceding program was produced by Vision Australia. Visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Okay, oh, the noise in the background is a lovely guide dog telling me that maybe the postman is nearby. So she's quiet. Okay, I've just been listening to my previous recording. Not too happy with it, really. It seems a bit dull. And I then listened to Main Menu and heard these lovely, bright, relaxed people at the microphone. So I'm a little bit jealous. I've got a bit to learn here. Never mind, I'll do my best and I'm going to tell you about two features associated with Thunder and Microsoft Word. I'm going to talk about the way we do spell checking and then I'll talk about the fabulous new research facilities in Office 10 and how Thunder can more or less cope with this. I suppose the idea is to reinforce that Thunder isn't just a dum-dum toy.
and it's a serious screen reader in some circumstances. Here we go on the spell checker. The way we do spell checking is we use caps lock N, I suppose N standing for next error, and then we use the application key or the right mouse click key or shift F10 and then arrow down to here the spell checker options and choices and enter on the one that's most applicable. So let's do that. I've got a sentence on the screen. The sun is shining here but so much trouble in the world. The sun is shining here but so much trouble in the world. I'm recording this the couple of days after Bin Laden has been killed and uh, not only know what's going to happen in the world following that. Okay, so I'll, I'll press caps lock and N. Found the spell T-T-H-E. Found the spelt T-T-H-E. So that's the first spell error. Um, when I type, there are lots of spelling errors. Um, I was born with the gift of being a bad speller and it used to be very embarrassing when I was a school teacher. Here we go. So, actually I'm using an Apple keyboard, so it's not quite so easy, but here goes for the equivalence of the application key. Right click. Tithe. The. Tether. Tithed. Ignore. Okay. Tithed. Tether. The. The is the one I think I want. I was arrowing up and down. Um, there's a thunder key, which repeats whatever the last speech chunk was. That happens to be shift caps lock and semicolon. T-H-E So that is in fact the one I want. I press enter. Document 1. Compatibility mode. Microsoft Word. Microsoft Word document. And the spell check has corrected the error. And of course I'd go through the errors with caps lock N until it's complete and thunder, like all screen readers would tell you, that the job is done at the end. So that's that. We think that's an easy way for beginners. There's no dialog box. There's no F7. Um, it works in all versions, that's the important to us. It works for us in Windows XP, Vista and Windows 7. So that's our main interest, to make everything work at our level. So now we move on to the idea of using the research facilities. So what I'm going to do is... Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the F6 key and that will move me from the main document over into the research stuff on the right hand side of the screen. Navigation. Research. Page number one of one. File tab. Microsoft Word document. Search document. Search documents. I'm going to type in trouble. Trouble. I'm going to tab again. Search. I'm going to press enter. Microsoft Word document. And then I'm going to use the mouse keys to explore what we found on the right hand side of the screen. Blank, blank, blank. The sun is shining here, but so much blank. Search. Research. Search for blank, blank. Back six, six, blank. Bing one, one, zero of two, three, four, zero, 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 zero. I made a bit of an error there. I actually knocked the mouse <laughs> on the side of the which I don't usually use it just happens to be here so it didn't quite go according to plan but I'm using the mouse keys now and I'm arrowing down on the right hand side next blank trouble definition and more from the free Merriam-Webster 
Dictionary. Blank. 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 www.merianwebster.com Dictionary Trouble. Trouble. www.newtrouble.com Trouble define. Trouble at. Dictionary Orm. Blank. 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 Dictionary refer an Orm Brawls a Trouble. There's a lot there. You've got Bing. You've got Marian Webster. You can arrow... You, sorry, you can mouse click on the choice you want to make as you go down there and there's, there's there's masses of stuff perhaps that wasn't such a good example there are better words to look up than trouble but um you, you can get the idea that it's all there and it's worth exploring and it kind of works i'm a great admirer of the latest office stuff it suits me well and i wouldn't go back to earlier versions so there we are you can enjoy thunder with microsoft word um, and that's pretty good in schools if you work at home and write articles and essays and stuff that i do um, in the ideal world nvda would work well in office too and we just have oh no maybe we wouldn't i was going to say we just have one good free screen reader but maybe maybe we don't maybe we Maybe we have a little bit of healthy competition and use both and enjoy both. Okay, so once more I'll pause, see how this sounds and come back soon. Hi everybody, this is Mary Emerson. And I recently, as of a couple weeks ago, did a podcast about Windows Live Mail. And since then, in fact, in the past few days, I have converted to Thunderbird. And I'll be talking about some odds and ends and thoughts about why I converted. And some tips on Thunderbird as you install it, if you choose to. But before I start... I have written down some thoughts about Windows Live Mail for those of you who decide to stay with it, and I almost did. I can understand why you would want to stay with it if you choose to. One of the first things that I wrote down is when you first start to use Windows Live Mail, one of the first things you need to do is to turn off the reading pane. And this is in the view lower ribbon you will have three choices and the one that you want to check is the third one which is turn off also within the view pane you need to turn off the calendar because that's inaccessible you can turn on compact view if you choose to and also you may have to adjust the fonts I had to change the font when I was sending out email because I kept getting strange characters that started with ampersand and some of the stuff looked strange. What I have written down here is you do an alt plus a letter F as in father. And then you go to the read tab and you tab to fonts within the read tab. Choose Unicode, U-N-I-C-O-D-E. And in Unicode, you choose U-T-F as in Father 8. And this will avoid all the weird apostrophes, ampersands, and all that stuff. 
these are the tips that I wanted to give you regarding Windows Live Mail. Now, there was one other tip. Sometimes you get corrupted email messages that don't get deleted properly or they don't show up properly and you can't read them. And you can do a Shift-Delete to get rid of those messages. And this was an annoyance when I was using Windows Live Mail because sometimes I would get messages and either I couldn't read them or if I had tried to delete them, they didn't delete properly. So that's all I really had to say about Windows Live Mail. Now I'm going to talk a bit about why I moved to Thunderbird. And this is a bunch of stuff that I have mentioned in emails to other people, and I thought I really should do a podcast on this. One of the big things that I had trouble with in Windows Live Mail was trying to control my contacts. When you choose Windows Live Mail, it puts your contacts out in cyberspace, out in the cloud somewhere. You don't really know where it is. So even though in my previous podcast I said that it's in the C colon backslash users folder, that is one place where you find them. However, it's not the default location for your contacts. The default location, if you don't use the users folder, is out in the cloud. And as time went on, I got rather nervous about that because I had no control over contacts. I could add a contact, but I couldn't delete it, and it was difficult to try to modify it. In order to modify a contact, I had to type its name in a message that I was supposedly going to send to, and then I had to Shift-Tab to get to the contacts area. Or, I think I said in my last podcast that you could do a Control-Shift-C to get to the contacts. I think I remember that correctly. And it would get you into the Add Contact field. But there didn't seem to be an easy way to edit contacts, although you could do it. You had to tab around to find Edit Contact. You couldn't delete a contact, though. And I realized that the two lists of contacts, the one out in the cloud and the one in your users folder, were going to get more and more and more out of sync. And that bothered me. And then just the thought of having the contacts out in the cloud itself, I felt was a breach of privacy. I really wanted a private address book, and Windows Live Mail didn't have that. In addition to that, my spam killer couldn't support Windows Live Mail, but it does support Thunderbird, and it also supports Outlook in its various forms. And it supports Windows Mail and Outlook Express. But for Windows Live Mail, I couldn't have very much control over my spam killer's functions although it is a web-based application and it will prevent a lot of items from getting to your inbox in the first place because it filters stuff out before it even gets to you. And that function was supported. However, blocking a message or a sender from within your email account directly was not supported by my spam killer. These were the main reasons that I decided that I needed to switch. I really wanted a private address book.
And I knew that there were functions that Thunderbird had that Windows Live Mail just didn't have. And Thunderbird has been around for quite a while, and it keeps improving every year. And it's incredibly accessible. So I started out by listening to a couple of Thunderbird presentations. I listened to Gene Asner's, and I listened to Raul Gallegos, which he did last year, I believe last summer. That is still quite current, although there are a few things that have changed, but it would be a great place to start. One concern that I had when converting to Thunderbird was, how am I going to move my address book? Well, apparently there is an option within Thunderbird where you can import your address book from Outlook Express. And I didn't know that when I got Thunderbird. I had a file that I had created from Outlook Express that was in the CSV file format, the comma separated values format. And I used that to build my address book on Thunderbird and I imported it. I ran into a problem, however, because when I entered the address book in Thunderbird, I got a list of numbers. They showed up in Braille, but there was no speech. And I discovered that there's a problem with the format of different fields in Thunderbird. Thunderbird doesn't know about middle names as Outlook Express does. And also, the email addresses end up in the alternate email address field in Thunderbird. That doesn't really cause any problem, though, so I left the email addresses where they were. However, for each field in my address book, I had to go into the properties, and what I did was I highlighted the various numbers and pushed Enter on that number and got into the properties and arrowed around until I could either find the nickname or the first and last name. And Thunderbird doesn't know about middle names. And also Thunderbird has a display field, which Outlook Express apparently didn't. If it did, I never used it. So you have to fill in the display field with the person's name, nickname, whatever you want. But this is not only the display that shows up in your address book, it is also the display that shows up on email to somebody. So make sure that it's accurate, polite, civil, acceptable to the other person who's going to see it. And once you get all of this sorted out, you have a perfectly usable address book and you have an alphabetic list of all the people and contacts. And the address book is just a dream to use. You can do first letter navigation, you can up and down arrow, it's just great. And you can even delete addresses. You can push the context menu key, which is the third to the right of the space bar. And from there, you can go to properties, or if you arrow down a few times, you will find a delete function. And you can delete that person's address book item if it's old or you're not in contact with the person anymore or whatever reason. So it's perfectly usable. In fact, it's a dream to use. And I think that's really about all I was going to mention about the address book. So let's go on to a few other things. 
Initially, when you install Thunderbird, in previous versions, when you signed up for Thunderbird, it would automatically start to set up an account for you. And a lot of people were complaining about that. They have removed it because when I installed Thunderbird, it took me into a very, very nice account installation setup wizard. And I was able to just type my name, my email address for my main account, the SBC Global account, and my password. And I was able to verify with the use of the JAWS cursor that they got all the SMTP port information and the POP3 port information accurate. And this is true if you have a somewhat well-known provider. If you don't have a provider that it knows about, and Thunderbird does have a database of providers, then you can install your email settings manually. There is a choice for that. So it's a very nice startup wizard and it seems to work quite well. There are a few things that you're going to need to do once you get Thunderbird up and running on your machine. One thing that you need to know is that the menus are very much like a regular menu bar. They're not ribbons, they're menus. And in some places, such as in the Tools menu, when you get to the Options and some of the other places, especially in the Options, it looks very much like Firefox. What you have is a column of items that, I guess in Options, I think there are about six or seven of them. And if you tab off of one of these options that you happen to have the cursor resting on, you end up either with some sub-options, sometimes there are three, four, or five of them, and sometimes you don't have sub-options, in which case you go directly into edit fields, dialog boxes, radio buttons, or checkboxes. If you have sub-options branching off some of the main options, then in the sub-options you've got the usual tab off to dialog boxes, radio buttons, check boxes, depending on which sub-option you choose. And then there's an OK button used to usually to close out the entire set of sub-options, but sometimes it closes out one of the sub-options and sometimes it doesn't. And then if you have a button, an OK button for the entire option, then you have to close that out also. It just depends on what you're doing. You need to go to the View menu and the menus work something like Outlook Express, and these are menus, they're not ribbons. And you go to Layout from within the View menu. You up arrow to the words Message Pane. And if this is checked, you need to press Enter to uncheck it. Keep in mind that there is a toggle from within Thunderbird itself. F8 will toggle it on and off. If it gets turned on by mistake, then just push F8 to turn it off. From within view, you go to the folders. That's You have to arrow down to it. In folders submenu, there is an item called all. And there is another item called Unified. This used to be called Smart. When Raul did his podcast, it was called Smart. 
What this does is if you've got more than one account in your Thunderbird setup, it controls whether all of your account email goes to one inbox or if you have inboxes that are separated by account. Unified will put everything in one inbox. All will keep everything separated so that you kind of have a tree view like you did in Windows Live Mail. And this is a personal preference. You can just choose whatever you want to do with that. Now I'm going to talk about the tools. Depending on what area of the program you're in, the tools will change. For example, if you're in the address book, you will see address book items listed in tools. If you're in just the general Thunderbird program, you will see other things. And you can make some changes within tools. You can go to tools, and then you go to options, which is just the letter O. And the following is within the general sub-option. Among the changes, you can uncheck show the start page in the message area. This will turn off the welcome pane and you don't need to look at that because it just kind of gets in the way. Another thing to turn off, under composition, you go to general and you turn off confirm when using keyboard shortcut to send message and this will get any confirmation out of the way. Also you can uncheck check for missing attachments because if it sees something in an email message that you're typing that says attachment even if it's just in the middle of a sentence it will think that you forgot to put an attachment in there. And I usually turn the spelling item off. Under spelling, this is also under composition. Spelling is a sub-tab under composition. It's the last one. I believe it's the third one. There is an item you can uncheck which says enable spell check as you type. And this tends to get in the way when you're trying to type something. So I uncheck it. And then if you go to the advanced tab, there is a reading display subtab. And you can change that to use escape to close a message instead of the default control W. The default also opens messages in a tab and it's much better if you can open them in a window. It makes it a bit more like Outlook Express was. So you go to the radio buttons and it'll say open messages in and you have a choice. A new tab is checked. Check the move to a new message window and this is a radio button and you just check that. You can check the close message on delete and I like this because when I delete a message I don't like it to still be there when I'm looking at email. I like to just close it out when I push a delete key. So that's just personal preference. You might like that, then again, you might not. It just kind of depends on what you want to do. And then you tab to OK to close it out. Getting out of the options and into account settings, there is a choice called composition and addressing. 
and you can tell I'm looking at my notes here. The default is start my reply below the quote and it's in a combo box. You arrow down to above the quote. This is the standard these days. And I don't know if this will show up if you have automatically quote the original message when replying unchecked. I usually keep that unchecked because I don't want to quote the message. It makes it much too long. And that's going to be about it with this. I think I have given you enough tips and additions. I might have gotten a few things confused along the way, but I think that this is enough that will get you started. With that, I'm going to close this out. I hope you have found this of interest. And I probably confused somebody out there, but I tried not to. Thanks for listening. If you want to make comments, you can email me at maryemerson at sbcglobal.net. Bye for now. Hello, I'm Brian Hartgen from TNT Consultancy. And today, we're very pleased to be able to bring you information about the very latest release of JTools version 4. In a number of podcasts we've recorded over the years, we've told you about JTools, which is just one of a series of products developed by TNT Consultancy. But to remind you what it is, JTools is a low-cost suite of keyboard utilities designed to work in partnership with the world's most popular screen reading program, JAWS for Windows. Based on suggestions from users of the product, JTools is designed to improve productivity by speeding up tasks you may typically undertake on your computer for work, personal study, or for use at home. And it also aims to simplify concepts which are sometimes difficult for computer and screen reader users to carry out. You can go to our website anytime at www.tandt, that's T-A-N-D-T, hyphen consultancy.com, select the JTools link from the home page, and there download a number of podcasts demonstrating JTools features. But let me briefly remind you of some of the things that it can do before we get into what's new in version 4. One of the most popular features undoubtedly in JTools is the ability to easily select text for manipulation, such as copying it to the Windows clipboard. The idea is that you press two keystrokes on the keyboard to mark the beginning of the text that you wish to select, move to the end of it by whatever means, either by doing a JAWS say all, for example, with the arrow keys or maybe using the find feature in your word processor. And then you mark the end point with two simple keystrokes. Absolutely no need to hold down the shift key. And you can use that facility in many text edit environments, such as Notepad. You can also use it in the applications Microsoft Word, Outlook, Internet Explorer and Firefox too. Text notes give you the ability to store regularly used text passages so that you can later paste them into a document, email message or maybe a form on the internet. Text notes save a tremendous amount of typing phrases over and over. I know, I use them a lot. JClips, on the other hand, allow you to gather information from various sources and paste them elsewhere. For example, if you were in Microsoft Word and you wanted to select paragraphs 1, 3 and 5 of a document for pasting into another file, you can select and copy those to JClips and then paste them in any order that you like elsewhere. 
Table mode will make it easily possible to navigate around tables in documents and on web pages just by using the arrow keys and nothing more. Bookmarks can be used in Microsoft Word, Internet Explorer or Firefox and they make it possible for you to locate specific segments of documents or web pages and you can instruct JAWS to perform an action when bookmarks are located. You can also bring up a list of bookmarks to which documents or web pages have been assigned. The calendar functionality presents to you appointment details in an alternative way to that which is displayed by Microsoft and therefore naturally enough communicated by JAWS ordinarily. There are lots of other features in JTools of course and all of those functions that I've just described still exist in JTools version 4 and as I say if you go to our website you can not only download the podcasts and listen to the different features being demonstrated but you can also read our very comprehensive JTools user guide and download a demonstration copy of the product. So what's new in this version? JTools version 4 functions with JAWS for Windows version 12 and the latest build of JAWS at the time of this recording, which is 525. Thanks to Freedom Scientific, we're able to keep pace with JAWS releases and respond to them fairly quickly, so at the moment, we're working with the latest build of JAWS. JTools supports Windows XP, Windows Vista and Windows 7 together with Microsoft Office 2003, 2007 and first time in this version 2010. We recommend Office 2007 or 2010 for best results, particularly if you wish to use the calendar support. Internet Explorer upwards of version 6 is supported together with Firefox version 3 and upwards. When we launched version 3 of JTools, we gave you the ability to use Dragon Naturally Speaking Preferred, now known as Premium, to dictate text into the computer, have it echoed back, and to make corrections using the product to improve the voice recognition accuracy. JTools version 4 supports Dragon Naturally Speaking Premium or Professional version 11, the latest release of the product from Nuance, so you can enjoy dictating into email messages and documents with considerable ease and have the reassurance that what you're dictating is recognised successfully. No computer control exists, that's part of our JSA product. Let's get into some demonstrating then of some of the really exciting things that JTools can do. I'm going to first demonstrate some of the small features that we haven't had chance to show you before in previous versions of JTools. I'll then show you, of course, some of the new features that we have in 4.0. And then finally, Sue Martin, who works for the Department of Veterans Affairs in the US, We'll bring it all together for you and show you how she uses JTools to help get all her work done very quickly. First of all, I'm using Microsoft Outlook 2010 at the moment, and I'm going to arrow down. I've got some public messages here that have been sent to a mailing list. It's the mailing list relating to visually impaired people using Skype. I'm going to press the down arrow key. Chris Allsworth, read Skype English, Skype 5.1, Okay, and I'm going to press enter to open that message. Message. And you'll notice that we don't have anything spoken like the header information or whatever appears in the title 
of the Microsoft Outlook message, which is usually the subject, followed by the format of the message, such as whether it's in plain text or HTML. Remember that one of the functions of JTools is all about productivity, and the more speech you hear, the less time you're going to have to get things done. So we just tell you that the message is open by saying the word message, or if you have our sound scheme enabled, you'll get a sound played. With JTools functions, by the way, we have a layered key system. We primarily take over the Grave accent key situated to the immediate left of figure one on a main QWERTY keyboard, and we call that the JTools key. You press that key, the keyboard is essentially frozen at that point, then you can press another key or a combination of keys to execute a JTools function. So if I press escape now to close down the message, box, Chris and then I press the JTools key, JTools. followed by S, sounds on. that turns the sounds on. If I press the enter key now to open the message, you hear the sound which indicates that the message has in fact been opened. Now, isn't it annoying when you're reading an email message and the person who's composed perhaps a reply to an existing message has a very long signature with a lot of legal disclaimer underneath. Obviously, you would understand why that's all in place, but really what you want to do is to skip all of that signature and move to the original message itself so that you can read the originating thread. You can do that with JTools. We've obviously got the message that was written at the top here, but we don't know who originally composed it. This is, of course, the reply. So we can press the JTools key followed by N... From and we immediately get to the header information. We can just arrow down now. To Robert and Jill Roberts sent Tuesday. And we've got the original text. So we've skipped all of the message there. Let's back out of here by pressing escape. And I'm going to turn the sounds off again by pressing the J tools key followed by S. Sounds with speech on. So we have three settings. We have sounds off, sounds on, and sounds with speech on. So that you can get to learn what the different sounds mean because you get the message spoken at the same time. Let's uh, do that once more. Sounds off. And there we have sounds off. Everyone but everyone is on Twitter at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> I'm quite sure there are millions of Twitter accounts out there. Twitter is very useful providing you can remember the Twitter usernames. Some of them are pretty complicated, aren't they? Some of them are logical, but some are perhaps a little difficult to remember. Now, of course, if you're replying to an existing tweet, it's not so bad, because if you're using a dedicated Twitter client, you're going to be able to hit some kind of reply function, and the person's username will already be there, preceded by the at sign. The same is true of a direct message. But if you want to mention somebody and you really can't remember their Twitter username, then that can be a little bit tricky. So I'm going to demonstrate a feature in JTools that we have for dealing with that situation. In version 3 of JTools, we only had this applicable to TW Inbox. But now we've made it global in version 4. And what that means is that you can use it either on the Twitter website or perhaps with a Twitter client such as TW Inbox, it still works there, or many visually impaired people use the free Twitter client called Quitter, available at quitter-client.net. That's what I'm going to use now to demonstrate this feature. Now, if you'd like to follow our company, TNT Consultancy, on Twitter, you can do so. Our Twitter username is TNT Technology, that's T A N D T 
technology. But let's assume for the moment that I have difficulty in either remembering that Twitter username if I want to mention the company in some way, or maybe my typing skills are not the best, so I would want to be able to choose that Twitter username from a list rather than having to type it all out. Let's do that now. The first thing we need to do is to get into an edit environment such as Notepad. So I'm going to go to the Run dialog. Run dialog. Type the name of a program. And I'm going to type Notepad and press Enter. Untitled Notepad. Edit. And now I'm going to type TNT Technology. Now, if you're using a client such as Quitter, for instance, you can easily get the Twitter username if you've received a tweet from TNT Technology or whoever you would like to store. When you're focused on the tweet, you can press the control key, the Windows key and I, and you will immediately get the username. It's automatically highlighted, so you can then just press control C to copy it to the clipboard. That's our objective. We've got to get the Twitter username on the clipboard. So if you were adopting that procedure, you wouldn't need to come into Notepad and type it in here. But that's what I've done because I don't have a tweet from TNT Consultancy right now. I'm going to press Control A to highlight all the text. Selected. And I'm going to copy that to the clipboard with Control C. The job is now done, and I'm going to press Alt F4 in order to close that down. And here I am back in Microsoft Outlook. I'm now going to store the Twitter username by pressing the J Tools key followed by Control Shift T. JTools, store Twitter usernames dialog. Please enter the name of the person whose Twitter username you have copied to the clipboard. Edit. And I'm going to type TNT. And press enter. Twitter username TNT saved. JTools, Twitter usernames dialog. Would you like to add the Twitter username to the JAWS dictionary? Yes button. Oh, why? Now, this is very useful because if you see the Twitter username TNT technology in any tweet that you receive, obviously that is how JAWS is going to pronounce it. And it's probably going to say technology or something like that. You can change that. You can add this phrase TNT to the JAWS dictionary so that whenever JAWS encounters that term TNT technology, it will say TNT instead. And I do find this very, very useful because when you're moving through tweets very quickly, you just want to hear something that's more meaningful. Even people who you correspond with a lot Via Twitter, you can shorten their names down or their Twitter usernames down or provide a substitute term for whatever it is that JAWS speaks. So I'm going to elect to do this now. I'm going to press the letter Y and that will add it to the JAWS dictionary. TNT has been added to the JAWS dictionary. Okay, now how do I make use of it? Well, I'm not going to send a tweet to TNT, but we're going to go through the process of doing so. I can press Control Windows N in Quitter right now. I don't need to. It can be in any Twitter client or on the web. Tweet 0 of 140 characters dialogue. Message edit. And I'm being told I've got 140 characters remaining. There are two keystrokes that I can use. These are the J Tools key followed by Control Shift M if I want to mention any Twitter username that I've got stored. Or the J Tools key followed by Control Shift D for sending direct messages. I'll just go through one of these. I'll press the J Tools key. J Tools. Followed by Control Shift M. List of Twitter usernames for sending a mention dialog. List one, list two, TNT, one of one. And I only have one, which is TNT right now. But obviously, 
you can store as many as you like and we're in a simple list view so you can easily locate somebody by using first letter navigation but here i am on the tnt option press enter the username tnt for a mention has been inserted let's have a look at our tweet right now i'll use the door say line command message editor tnt and it says at tnt except it doesn't because don't forget that we added the term tnt technology to the jaws dictionary Let's just spell that out by pressing insert up arrow twice quickly and see what we've really got. M-E-S-S-A-G-E colon edit at T-A-N-D-T-T-E-C-H-N-O-L-O-G-Y space. Notice we've got space afterwards as well. So we are now ready, therefore, to type the rest of our tweet and we can press enter. Directs are very similar. You just press the JTools key, Control shift d You select your Twitter username or equivalent and press Enter. And the term D, space, followed by the username, followed by space, is represented in the tweet. Now to some of the new functionality available in JTools version 4. Although, of course, by talking about the global concept of the Twitter usernames there, we were kind of touching on some of the new functionality, weren't we? As I said earlier, our JTools calendar functionality is very well received by people, and so we've extended that not only to the Outlook 2010 calendar as well as 2007, but to all the views that the calendar offers. So, we traditionally have worked in the day view, but now we work in the week view, the work week view and the month view. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week. Music